Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Practice to home. and Exactly, man. I'm happy to be here on five. Don't, don't, don't get, <laughs> don't get the man right. right. Don't, the don't drive go. is what takes it out of you, not the practice. Don't knock on him because he's trying to have a life. So you got you guys are getting the Patreon. All hundred and two of you right now is be logging in, getting the Patreon. Uh, we are live. It is talking preps. It is getting. We are getting ready for week five, and uh, I'm gonna play the theme music because we got a busy show, and Grice is gonna kill me if we're heavy. So here we go. <laughs> All right, we're live, and it is Talking Preps. I am Langston Lurch. We're going to get right to rapid fire. All right, you know, the one thing I forgot to do was make the rapid fire board, so I don't have the board, but I'll ask you the questions. <laughs> Dale, do you like the idea of regional stadiums for future Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, or should everybody have their own stadium on campus? Well, Langston, we have some opportunity for that today, and it's not really utilized by CMS. We do have Memorial Stadium. a fan. It's an even nicer place than it has been. And we have Waddell, which schools since the uh, closing of Waddell and the building of the stadiums at West Mech and Olympic and now West Charlotte, you know, we have schools have used that location and CMS doesn't, has not upgraded it like they should. I like the idea, um, but there's also value in having an on-campus stadium uh, for the community if the community will get involved. Um, I, I, I still like that being able to go to a school and the stadium being on campus, that's just got its special feel. And I'd, I'd hate to lose that, but I do like having a stadium that schools, maybe we could play some big games at or uh, in situations like West Charlotte's in right now, they've got a place they can go play. Sam, you had to experience this uh, last week, you're going to experience it for the rest of the season. I'm sure that it changes your game day preparation. What do you think about regional stadiums? And if you didn't have a stadium, do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think it, having regional stadiums in addition to is a good idea? Um, until we have the capability of having stadiums like South Carolina does, I think that it would be kind of neat if we wanted to cut down on cost, if we did have regional stadiums where certain – games can be played. You can even have two games there at the same night. You know, one's playing at 5.30, the next game's at 7.30 roughly, so on. I think that would be a good, you know, plan because you'd have more people showing up at the stands. Um, just certain spots, it's only like teams that are competing at a high level are really filling up the stadiums, but working out the cost and how you would work the gate and all that stuff, I don't know how you would do that, but it would be kind of neat, yes. Guru. 
I think geographically speaking, I think that there should be some regional stadiums, whether it's, you know, one in the north, one in the south, maybe one in the east or one in the west, whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I think eight, nine games a year from a school probably would end up being played at their home school with the visiting school. Uh, but I do think for those one or two big games, maybe one big game a week that the city designates to be played at these regional stadiums. I love the idea. I've been touting it for years. I think that especially come playoff time, uh, you know, and it's more than just the football stadium aspect, build a true regional stadium, put a very nice, you know, synthetic rubber uh, track out there, eight, nine lane track to where they can do regional track meets, county track meets, uh, really make this a dual purpose, multi-purpose stadium uh, with a great turf field. Uh, and, you know, another thing that I think we forget about that I want to do for schools is, you know, you know, when these schools go to Memorial Stadium, and we all know Memorial Stadium is a great venue for high school football, uh, but so many times the schools have to absorb the cost of the show pros, and, you know, you lose out on the cost of this concessions. I think a CMS-owned school or a stadium, a CMS-owned stadium should give the opportunity for those schools, booster clubs, or whoever the case may be, to also reap some of the rewards of the concession money because I think that's lost as well. Same with you, Chris. Myers Park is 0 4 for the first time since 2003. Can they turn it around? Oh, absolutely. I think Myers Park's program is going to be on the rise. I think that uh, Coach, uh, Coach uh, McManus is doing a very good job. You know, he's having to right the wrongs and maybe some previous administrations. He's coming in there. He's having to fix some things. Uh, I think that he's going to uh, have a tough resolve. I think he's got an incredible pedigree. Uh, I think he's going to stay the course and they're going to get themselves righted. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not worried at all by this 0-4 start, and it may end up getting worse from here. I don't know. Uh, but I think long term, and, you know, if you look the long view right here. I think Myers Park could be just fine. Gary? Yeah, they have a chance to make a comeback as long as they're patient. They got impatient, um, you know, when they had Drake May and then carry over to the kid to follow him. They got impatient, took shortcuts, and they paid the price for it. They got to have patience. When you're the biggest school or one of the biggest schools in the state, you should be competitive in every sport. They got over 3,000 students. They should be competitive in every sport. I've actually worked with McManus at the uh, in the All American game. I think he's a phenomenal coach. He's got a brilliant mind. Yes. Um, it's his first head coaching job. He's going to figure some things out on the way. Mm -hmm. He came into a tough situation. Definitely, I think that his schedule has been pretty tough as well. But I think he'll right some wrongs, and um, and uh, you'll start seeing them climbing and winning some games for sure. All right. Well, in the first three games, guys, Weddington was giving up almost 41 points a game. That's very un-Weddington-like. Uh, and Andy Capone was pleased as punch with the big win over Audrey Kell, 31-14 on Friday. They got a goal line stand with Sparks. Let's hear from them. I just told those guys, enjoy every win. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I, I listen to myself sometimes. So uh, it's a great win for us. Those guys, These guys played their butts off against a really good team, you know. So uh, for, I feel great. I feel really good. Uh, and then defensively, that was the best game we've played all year. So, you know, bit, rallied to the ball, gang tackled, and, and didn't give up the big plays. I think we just had to go back and just trust ourselves, you know. I think, you know, we've played three, we've played four really good teams, you know, and, and a bunch of Division One players, high-powered offenses, you know. But we know that we could have played better in the beginning, and I think everybody understood that. There was no panic, but there was urgency, you know. And I think defensively the biggest thing was just we never give up the big plays. And then the first three games we were giving up a lot of big plays. So for us, we're just going back to – relaxing, letting them understand our defense works. We trust our defense. We trust them to make plays. So that was the biggest thing of just having a little bit more trust in each other and knowing that they can make big plays and limit the other team on big plays.
So Rice is ready to ready to make that step now and you know, become that championship team we always see. Why are you laughing? Sir? I, it, did it not sound? Have y'all ever seen like the Facebook guy John Christ or whatever it is, and he's talking about like you know we're playing Madden plays and all that stuff. Guy's funny. You never seen? It? it sounded just like him. I'd have to get a clip for that name. I know what you're talking about. But I didn't think that's what you're Oh my gosh, it was like so far. Grinder going grinder, but yeah, Langston, Lettington's fine. Like you know, they, they I think intentionally in this new world of RPI, you've got to schedule these tough opponents. Then playing West Forsyth, Charlotte Christian, of course, we know with uh, Kyron Jones kids running back D1 guy there. Providence Day with a plethora of D1 talent. West Forsyth we knew was going to be tough. Then they get the Audrey Kale. Let's get to their conference. You look at a Piedmont school that's not on their level, Marvin. Ridge that's below average. I mean, you're checking Sun Valley, who's probably two or three years away from really competing. I think they're going to steamroll through that conference schedule. So it's important for them to really face these teams that can give them a challenge early and give them those tests as they finish up with the great season. Chris, you're nodding your head. I'm coming off script here. What do you think? I agree everything with what Coach Christ said. Uh, Weddington is going to be fine. They're going to do what Weddington does. I think the world of Coach Andy Capone, he, in, in 20 years, is going to be the gold standard, I think, in terms of what a winning coach looks like. Uh, you got to remember, this young man is on the early, early, early uh, side of his coaching career. Not 35. 26 years old, 27, 28 years old. Uh, Weddington is going to do just fine. I've seen what he does in practice. I see how their offensive line plays. Uh, that's a program that's going to just continue to do well. They might take some bumps and bruises. But, again, like I mentioned with Myers Park, look at it with the long view. They're going to be just fine. All right. Another team had a big statement on Friday was Chambers in the North Carolina Game of the Week. Uh, Grice, they kind of ruined your North Carolina Game of the Week. They went in the Ridge. <laughs> Two to twenty-one, they were up thirty-five to nothing at one point. Let's hear from the Chambers guys. Um, just big shout out to Coach Wilson, man. They had a heck of a game plan, man. Our guys just, um, they was fired up, man. Hey, man. I think stuff we giving and things like that, man. Kind of got going, but um, they played great, great on all three phases. Um, we have some injury key. In I, I'm really impressed because we had key injuries uh, on the team. We were still able to come out here and have a good team win. The non-conference schedule is over. We're looking into our conference schedule. We got one of the top, uh, toughest conference in the Dagon State. Um, so we're just looking to go one and zero each week. So, uh, heading into the next couple of weeks, obviously conference play starting up. What do you think, Coach wants the team to maybe clean up a little bit on? I mean, I know in a dominant win like tonight, you know, you might not see the little things, but you know, what do you think, Coach will have you guys working on? Uh, just simple mistakes, all the stuff that we need to work on in practice. You know, we start up early, get get through what we need to get through, and try to do it at what's best for us on how we can do it. Um, closing out games, you know, they scored twenty one in the second half. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We just gotta close out games. You know, when we get up, we get a little, we get a little too happy. So we just gotta close out and keep finishing. Really, we just challenge the kids to, to be play, come out, play fast and physical. Uh, thought we did that the first, first and second quarters. Uh, second half, we sort of got away from it a little bit. Our guys got a little winded, uh, but for the most part, we executed, man, and uh, we played a hell of a job on the, on, the, on the back end. The quarterback did a good job. Um, but we got some pressure on them, and we, we didn't have to pressure them. Uh, our, our, front, our front four got after them pretty good. Um, linebackers covered. We tackled well for the most part. We got to clean up some things with penalties and things like that, but I thought we was pretty good.
All right. Uh, Cameron covered that game in the video, so shout out to Cameron. But I want to hear from Gary because, you know, that Hickory Ridge is your turf. What do you think about this game from, uh, and what do you think of Chambers? It was complete dominance. Um, Hickory Ridge started out with a few, they got the ball first. They had maybe two or three first downs, and then that was it. After they punted, it was Chambers the rest of the night. Shout out to uh, Andre Cannon, the defensive uh, coordinator. He made some adjustments. They had pressure on the Chambers quarterback. I mean, the um, Hickory Ridge quarterback all night. They couldn't get into what they want to do. And, and I know that probably bothers Coach Wilson because he coaches the offensive line. And he was an offensive lineman. And uh, they did not play well on the offensive line. Uh, and they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run. Um, Chambers, I know they had time of possession, especially in the first half when the game was, uh, I won't even say close because I didn't think it was ever close. I mean, they left no doubt as to who the better program was. And Hickory is, you know, I think they're still going to have a successful season. I still believe they'll win their conference. But we know now that they're not – they still not ready for the big boys. Cameron, what'd you see up close? I mean, yeah, Gary said it. I mean, it was all chambers. Um, you know, Bubba Camp was able to do what he wanted to. Braylon Vinson, man, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, you know, makes precise cuts, has a very good ball carrier vision. Uh, I think he's got one more year. I think he's a junior this season. But, uh, yeah, their defense was all over the field. I mean, Jordan Thompson recovered a fumble in the end zone after, uh, I believe it was uh, Jackson Bass, got drip sack fumble in the end zone. So, Great win. Got to bring my man Matt Moore in from Charlotte Football Insiders. Uh, one of the, the most well-known uh, guys out in Charlotte knows the football scene well. What do you think of that game, Coach? Put you on the spot. Chambers and Hickory Ridge. Well, like Gary said, it's absolute domination by Chambers. Uh, very impressive. Uh, you know, Zarion Jackson Bass, especially on the defensive line, has really, you know, come on even more this season he led the charge and um you know Henry Ridge lost a lot of offensive linemen to graduation and I think you know that was pretty evident and then Chambers getting up to a big lead and then Hickory Ridge you know scoring a little bit toward the end to make it you know look a little closer than it actually was but you know just just sheer domination you know by the Cougars. Yeah I think the Cougars made quite a statement we got more with Matt on the backside of this but right now we got to find out who Coach Grice picked for his uh, Grice's Gems, the North Carolina Players of the Week. And you had somebody in studio this week, right? Grice? Yeah, I had somebody in studio. You know we got somebody. You know we get the call to somebody. Now. Come, on. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, let's find out who got the call. Here's Grice's Gems. All right, my man, Grice, here we are another week at Grice's Gyms. A man, uh, the high school football season just keeps on moving along. And look at the performances that we've seen from some of the biggest stars across the state, from the Highlands to the coast. It don't matter. We've seen some true Grice's Gyms. Uh, speaking of the Highlands, let's start up there in Robbinsville, North Carolina, all the way up there on the Tennessee border. I've seen this young man before, Cutler Adams, 25 carries, 222 yards, 220 yards, and two touchdowns and a 28-27 over Smoky Mountain. That's a big, bigger school than them, too, by the way, Coach Christ. Uh, what do you see in this young man? Hey, Guru, we're getting back to your old school mountain football, baby. Running the ball, phone booth football, and look at him with some big carries. Again, you look at the uh, yards per carry there, I think that's almost 10 yards a clip. He had a big-time game against a well-respected Smoky Mountain team. But again, 28-27, they needed every yard and every touchdown from Cutler Adams. That was a big Robinsville win there. 
No kidding. And again, you talk about that phone booth football. Look at those mountain schools playing on turf. You know, we used to see them playing on that tall grass. And oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. Hey, now it's 10 yards of carry. Hey, uh, <laughs> I love it. Along. Hey, let's uh, stay here in the Charlotte region and go to Cuthbertson High School. Uh, wide receiver Keenan Jackson had 182 yards receiving on Friday. That's a lot of yards receiving, coach. Uh, what do we see in this young man? Man, he's a guy we know. He's a four-star kid. He's been, you know, one of Union County's best for a while now. I mean, we know that all the big schools in the state know about him. 12 catches, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Come on. And again, this is against South Mecklenburg. Come from behind victory. We know Coach Joe Evans had him circled all week as a guy to watch. He still delivered in a big-time way. Glad to see him again as a guy that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know about him. We had that conversation with Langston. Maybe he's a fresh face, but if you don't know about him, it's your fault. Because this is a great kid. I wanted him for Grice's gyms because he balled against a great team that we know and Coach uh, Joe Evans, South Mech Sabres. And if you guys don't know about him, you better take a look at him because he will be playing on Friday or Saturdays pretty soon. His offers from Carolina, Appalachian, and Virginia Tech, he will be a who's who of players moving on to that next level. Hey, let's go here to Rowan County, uh, Mount Ola, the U, as they like to call it over there, Evan Kennedy, uh, Evan Kennedy at West Rowan High School in a 42-28 victory over North Rowan. Uh, he returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, rushed the ball 32 times for 154 yards, three more touchdowns. Uh, this young man moved to running back from receiver. We know that's a tough thing to do. You know, you can go to, from running back to receiver, but moving to running back, uh, that's a tough deal for him. Uh, but what do you think about him? I mean, what a great player, just the versatility. Did not know Guru 21 years since North Rowan's beat West Rowan. It was pretty close as Coach Pearson's getting that program, but let's get back to West Rowan. Uh, Evan Kennedy, again, I love the versatility. I love the fact that he's able to get 32 touches of the ball. Most of my receivers couldn't handle 32 touches of the ball at all. That shows his versatility, shows his toughness, and his ability to take that thing and get north and south. We don't see a lot of a lot of east-west. We don't see a lot of running to that sideline, baby. He's taking one step, getting the ball, and he's going. And I love it. I'll tell you what, that's some good camera work by those guys over at West Rowan. That field looks really good. Uh, again, a big rivalry. You mentioned it, 21 years uh, dominating their in-county rivalry. Uh, hey, let's stay right here in Mecklenburg County. B.D. Waddell, uh, West Mecklenburg High School, they had a 56-8 to victory over Harding. Uh, Waddell had 12 tackles, five sacks, two tackles for a loss, one forced fumble, one two fumble recoveries, returned to fumble 48 yards for a touchdown. And, oh, by the way, he also had the ball. He played offense, played both ways, had 87 yards um, in offense. Man, this is a player. Uh, you got to love it. It's Coach's son, of course. So, you know, he's played every single position coming up from youth ball, probably in middle school and now to high school. There's nothing different. Uh, with this West Mecklenburg team, if they're going to go, which they've been doing a great job this year at 4-0, they're going to be going and they're going to be driven by the coach's son, B.D. Waddell, the fourth. So big time win there. And again, I love what guys do it all. We don't see that a lot no more, you know, around here in 4A ball. But you got guys playing all over. I mean, you talk about tackles, sacks, force fumbles. You talk about, you know, running for 87 yards. I mean, a guy that does not leave the field, one of uh, Mecklenburg County's true Ironmen. No kidding. Hey, and this last guy, we're going to save this big guy for last. Uh, talk about a player, our dean of students here on the show, Sir Alex Bass. So we all know we all love Alex. He loves to stir the pot. But he has been talking about this young man for a long time. Mason Fortson, Millbrook High School, completed 17 to 22 passes for 358 yards, seven touchdowns, and a 58 to 6 route over Broughton. Hit Nathan Leacock seven times, seven times for 191 yards, five touchdowns. And that was just in one half, by the way. Dang, I mean, Grice, this I was a performance. Have. 
Guru, in a half. I mean, you know, Mason, we've been talking about you. You've been on our Mr. Football list, so we know about you even here in Charlotte. But we had to add this new segment. If you ball, you got to get the call. So we had to bring you on here. Again, let's talk about just in this game how locked in you were. I mean, 17 of 22, 358 and 7. That's high efficiency. What, what, what did you see in the game plan and watching film all week that led you to this great performance? Um, I knew that they would roll down a safety over top of, or not over top of Nathan. They would only bring him down. And as you can see in that clip right there, they left the middle of the field wide open for Nathan to just run right behind them. Oh, agreed. I mean, clearly talk about the, the plethora and the great receivers you have. I mean, you're an excellent quarterback, one of the best in the state, you know, even still, you know, being an underclassman. Talk about how you've had from Wesley Grimes to Nathan Leacock and just how great those guys are and how they make it easy to do your job. It's amazing. Nathan can really just go up and get the ball, and, and you know that ties back now, so that really takes some pressure off of Nathan because now that we have two great receivers coming back. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, wow. again, and we see this right here. I mean, I had to stop myself. I was just in awe of watching this great play here. So, you know, again, we know that, you know, Broadner clearly hasn't been one amongst, you know, one of the state's powers, you know. So as you start to get into bigger games, what are you looking forward to to ensure that you guys can continue to be effective and put up those big-time numbers? Uh, we hope to um, we hope to keep this going in conference play and keep the momentum rolling. Oh, I understand that completely. Wow, wow. Hey, um, Mason, I understand you was at NC State uh, this past Saturday uh, for their big victory. Uh, tell us about your college plans. I know that colleges all over the nation are probably uh, ringing up your phone or your your Twitter, uh, hitting you up with uh, messages. Uh, what are you thinking of for your move after Millbrook High School? Um. I really don't know yet. I'm open up to anything right now because, as you know, I don't have any offers right now. So I'm open to anything. So we'll see what happens. Well, we certainly know that you're going to continue to ball and we'll probably be showcasing you on this show uh, many times here in the future. Uh, we appreciate you getting on here with uh, Coach Grice and myself because you truly are uh, Grice's gym. You got the call so much so that you're on the show with us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Keep balling. All right, Coach Christ, how do we get up with this? Uh, you ball, how are we going to get on, on the show? Again, Friday night, you think you've done, had a great performance. Saturday morning, reach out to me at Coach Jay Grice. Reach out to at Observer Preps or at the Langston Works Jr. Reach out. Let us know how you perform. Provide us some film. Again, if you had a great performance, we want to be able to showcase your film. That is just as important to us to show people because, again, we have so many nominees and so many people reach out to us and wonder, why didn't I get it or why wasn't I selected? Provide that film so we can see and show the people that you had a great performance. But as always, the guy that balls the most, we're going to make sure you get the call and come on the show. So come out there and make sure you keep balling and reach out to us and let us know what's going on. You know what Sam was surprised me is that kid doesn't have a scholarship offer. It just it just blows my mind. Um, How tall is he? I think he's like six one, six two. And okay. he was a pretty ball. And that's kind of why I wanted Matt to come on the show because I had uh, a young lady from Maiden reach out to me and said she heard Matt was having a camp. She thought it was a good idea to kind of to spread the word. And Matt, kind of tell people, I know you had a big camp in the spring that did well, now you have another one. Kind of tell people what's going on. Yeah, so this is called the Winter Showcase, and it's, it's it's a similar setup to the HBCU Showcase that we did back in the spring, back in May. Um, the biggest thing is we want to give the opportunity for, you know, players from really all over the country. We had players coming from California uh, in the spring to uh, get in front of college coaches directly and showcase, you know, their skills. Uh, and there's a lot of kids that do it in the summer, um, and there's a lot of great people that, that really, you know, do a good job with it. But the focus we wanted to do 
is really get as many college coaches as possible directly in front of kids. And I have some great people that work with me, most notably Kenneth McClamlock, who's a former head coach at Central Bears and East Rowan High Schools. Um, and we have some relationships, and we you know utilize those relationships to get these guys out there and bring them directly in front of the kids. And these coaches, to their credit, are ready to offer on the spot. And I'm proud to say that in the uh, May camp, we had kids receive over 40 offers directly from college coaches that attended that showcase. And that, was the, that is the one thing that uh, we want to hang our hat on. And so the winter showcase will be a similar opportunity to do so. And I know we're doing it on the date of the state championship game, but that is the last day that coaches can have direct recruiting contact in the recruiting period on the calendar per the uh, NCAA. So we wanted to give, you know, those coaches and those kids that opportunity to have that contact, get evaluated directly, and, um, you know, have a chance to show themselves, not just on a, uh, a film. You know, Sam, what do you, what do you think about an opportunity like that for a kid? I mean, you're a coach and you got a lot of kids that, that want to play in college. Yeah. A lot of times it's, so just breaking down like division one athlete, I think you have to have three things to be a division one athlete. You have to be able to pass the eye test. They try to say it's other things. The eye test is the one of the most important things. You'll get more opportunities. Then you got to have the film to back it up. Then you got to be eligible to get into NCAA. Um, sometimes it's not always in that order, but for the most case. Now, Petman's camp, I've been to it multiple times. He does a phenomenal job um, doing different things to try to promote athletes around Charlotte area, not just Charlotte, but just the surrounding areas, like you said, California. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's a great opportunity for these other colleges to come in, HBCU, uh, Division II schools. A lot of these schools don't recruit until the end of the season. They're not able to even give money out until those opportunities. So if you're someone that's diehard wanting to play football and you're not necessarily a Division I athlete, you don't all have to be. You know, you can still go professional from Division II. This is an opportunity for you to earn a scholarship, and uh, this camp is a perfect opportunity for that. Yeah, should the kids bring a transcript, Pep? Uh, they, they, you know, the coolest thing that I, we saw at the camp was one of the kids, and he was a real talented kid. He had business cards made up with a QR code. <laughs> I like that. Coaches could, coach, could scan the QR code, yeah. and it brought up his grades, his transcript, yeah. things of that nature. So that was real creative. So uh, I, I would suggest doing something like that to make it more efficient than just, you know, a stack of papers out there. I think, could, you, know, I think you could there. even – since you're promoting the camp so you know so much before it's happening, I think you can come up with some way of doing an Excel sheet where you can have access and they can upload their transcript, you know, because they have all the way up. This semester won't be over with until towards you know January, so everything prior to this, they can have it uploaded. If someone's really interested to look at that GPA, they can do that, pull the transcript. Yeah, that's cool. Well, uh, Matt, I, I know you you close to Waddell and Myers Park. But I know Harding's close to your heart, yep. and uh, my guy. Do, do you feel that CMS is kind of of two minds as a have and a have not? And if so, what can we do to kind of bring them closer together? Well, that's, that's definitely the case. I mean, you look at some schools out here, you know, like Harding, for example, you can take a look at East Mac. 
Uh, you can take a look at South Mac, and those are ironically the next three schools that are kind of in line and being looked at for uh, facility stadium upgrades. And it, for some reason, you know, especially Harding, they continue to get passed over for other schools and newer schools. And, you know, everyone deserves to have, you know, great facilities. Mm. And, you know, one of the things I say about Harding is all Harding wants is what everyone else already has. You know, they're not asking for anything extra. They're not asking for anything special, just the basics. And, you know, for the life of me, I don't understand why that's so hard, you know, for, you know, CMS, because some schools out here are on their second set of turf fields, for example. And, you know, you still got schools like Harding that are out here, you know, just trying to, to scrape by, to be honest with you. But I think um, I got a little bit of insight. When I went to Harding, I, I asked the same thing. Yeah. Um, there was a former AD, I cannot remember his name at the time, before I got there. They had they were up in the window of, like, doing the upgrades, and they were supposed mm-hmm. to have, like, a track, the conference track meet, something else meet there during the season. And instead of the AD pushing – for the new stadium, he wanted to band-aid it up so that they can still run those events. And I think that kind of pushed them towards the back of the line, which it shouldn't have, but he should have made a better decision to push forward. But that's kind of what they were told. That was what was told to me when I got to Harding um, back way back in the day. Now, <laughs> yeah, Much kudos to you for winning the state championship for Harding. That was uh, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen since I've been here. Uh, the last question I got for you, Pep, before I let you knock Sam off, because I'm tired of him winning. Is uh, everybody calls you the pet man? Where did that nickname come from? I literally just made it up. <laughs> I wish there was a great story behind it, but um, people that have been around Charlotte for a while, of course, I started with Carolina Varsity, and you know, I tried, I shout out Dale Rawls for giving me that opportunity after I decided to stop coaching, and that's you know where I just started. And um, I registered for the site and I said I needed a name, and I was just thinking, like, all right, pet man. <laughs> it, goes, it goes well because you you do hype up everybody really well like a pet man would so you do a phenomenal job really yeah. do absolutely absolutely all right well pep we're gonna play the game show it's a mobile choice thing you're gonna go first <laughs> is this right now? yeah because i can't be happy because rice gets mad at me okay i didn't know i was going against pet man i didn't know yeah, gonna, yeah because i'm trying because we're gonna get you an l this week Unbelievable. we'll get you out this week so in the back, like, he knows every Cameron's gonna, no, he has no idea what the questions are. Cameron's no. going to go with the first question, and then Chelsea, we're going to get it going after you play right. stupid bumper music. Brother, I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the GOAT of the game show. Okay, Cameron, put your mic on. I hope we don't get blown away by the wind. Go ahead with question one. All right, in the 2015 season, the Panthers were the darlings of the NFL, turning a 15-1 regular season into a Super Bowl berth. Who did the who did Carolina beat in the second round of the playoffs that year? Is it A, Tampa Bay, B, Arizona, C, Seattle, or D, the San Francisco 49ers? Pepman, what is your answer? C, Seattle Seahawks. C, Seattle Seahawks. Sam Lamb, what is your answer? Yeah, the answer is C, Seattle Seahawks. That is not the answer. The answer is A. Not? No, it's B, Arizona Cardinals. So we are we are still at zero. I was hoping Pep would get the early lead, but can, can I can I can I dispute that one? You can, but it's, you you'd be wrong. They beat so, Seattle in the in the conference. Uh, yeah, that's title. Correct. That's the second round. 
They beat that the, is the second the round. That's what I'm NFC saying. Title. No wild card divisional. Yeah. yeah. All right, Chelsea. They had a bye, so that's the second round for them. All right. Even if even if y'all y'all still would have both had it right. All right, Chelsea. That, that's the wrong answer. But we're just gonna move on. Chelsea, go ahead. Comedian Kevin Hart performed in Charlotte Sunday. Who is his co-star in the new Netflix movie Me Time? A. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. B. Chris Ludacris Bridges. C. Mark Wahlberg or D. Dan Levy. Sam, you're first. I'm gonna go with my counterpart, C. Mark Wahlberg. C. Mark Wahlberg. What you got, Pip? I'm gonna go with C. I think Coach Garner's pretty tuned in to pop culture. All right, you guys are both correct. We're tied. To <laughs> it was Mark Wahlberg. Sam answered that too fast. I got to come up with better questions, or, or Leanne has to come up with better. Anything Mark Wahlberg, I'm gonna get. That's 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 my guy. Leanne, Leanne is better than me at doing the questions. Uh, hold on, I gotta find. I got one for you though, Sam, because last week you made a request. I just gotta find it. You made a request last week because you said I'm always asking the wrong type of pop culture questions. All right, Cam, let's go. All right, in t- 2021, which of these artists had the number one most played Christian song according to the Billboard? A. Lauren Daigle. B. Crowder. C. Phil Wick. Wickham or Wick, yeah. D, Kanye West. Pip. Oh, boy. Uh, man, this is just going to be a guess for me. Yes, uh, it works. I, I, I like Crowder. That looks good to me. You like Crowder. Sam, what you got? I think the answer is A, Lauren Daigle. Lauren Daigle. The answer is Lauren Daigle, and you're up one to nothing. Christian music, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Let's Y'all go. going deep on this. That's one. what I'm talking about. He, he, knows he, he, he says we never have any Christian music songs. I know. See? I threw, I threw, I threw one in there. Chelsea, let's go. This former Grownish star is playing the title character in the upcoming Little Mermaid movie from Disney. Who is she? A, Halle Bailey. B, Brandy. C, Breck Bassinger. Or, Z, or D, Zendaya. Sam. Um, the answer is D. The answer is D. All right, Pep, what do you think the answer is? I'll stick with Sam on that one. I'll go Zendaya. The answer is A, Holly Baby. So we're going to the last question. Uh, we're going to the last question tied. No, I'm up. I'm not. It's not no tie. I got Lauren Daigle right. Oh, you're I'm right. Already you're right. right. You're right. Four quarters. Pepman going home with an L, no matter what he say. Just what it is. <laughs> Sam, we got to go to six. Maybe I need to go no, to six. No, 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 no. Don't, don't change the game. Put the belt around me. Let's move on. <laughs> Cameron, let's go. App State's win over then number six Texas A&M was historic. UNC has never beaten a team ranked that high on the road. NC State did in 1967. Who did the Wolfpack beat? A, Alabama, B, Wyoming, C, Houston, or D, Indiana? Pep, it's on you. Whoo, boy. Uh, 1967. I think Houston football was good in the 60s. I'll go with C. Sam, what you think? <laughs> I'm going to have to go C. I have no clue. <laughs> so you're just doing that because he says C. Yeah, because I can't lose. Four corners, baby. Yeah. Tell him, Gary, yeah. back. Tell him, yeah. Tell him, yeah. Gary, yeah. back. Tell him, yeah. tell him yeah. Gary, back. Tell him, 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 Gary, back. Tell him,
But Pat, man, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. You know, best of luck with your camp, man. We do anything for you. Let me know. Thank you. Good seeing you, brother, guys. All right, man. Take care, sir. All right, thanks a lot. Matt Morrow, the pet man. My man's got my man's camera. My man's camera is elite. I need his camera. Yeah, you, you knew it was coming. As soon as Sam got a lead, you knew it was coming. I know. I, I, I saw you. baby. I was like, I saw you back there. I'm, I'm all out of source. I'm just supposed to have uh, Chris and Alex is there. I'm supposed to have Chris and Chelsea on the screen. I thought Grice was like on my side. Grice it's, upsets it's, me. I'm gonna, you're going you're gonna to be Alex. I'm going to let you and Chris uh, and Chelsea take over. We're going to get out of the way. Well, who 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 is going to be at? You're going to be Alex, Sam. No, I'm not. where where where? I mean, I, I can't you be cannot Alex. be I'm Sir not, Alex Bass, the dean of students. Where is that shiny iron behind you that I've affectionately named Preston? <laughs> All right, Chelsea. Enough of that. That's a corny joke. Uh, here we are again, Chelsea. Uh, you you you're doing great things. Uh, tell us who did you interview this week for Chelsea's World. So this week I over I interviewed someone over from my school, Drew Tainter, who's our quarterback at Sanderson. And I had him on the show last year where he was just starting his position as quarterback for varsity. And also, Chris, over at NC Preps, we talked with Coach Buck. And he was really talking about Drew's growth from, you know, his sophomore year to his junior year. Now from junior year to senior year, he's really been putting up some impressive stats. So I wanted to showcase that with him. Outstanding. Uh, any, any wise words for Sam? Is this Jeremy Buck you're talking about? Yes. yes. Former Harding right, coach, cool. Jeremy Buck. Cool deal. Let's see it. This week, I'm interviewing Sanderson High School quarterback, 2023, Drew Tainter. So, Drew, last Friday, you guys played Heritage out of conference, considerably, considerably the best conference you've played so far. Although it was a win, kind of talk about the lessons taken from that game and how you apply that for this week's game against Millbrook. Uh, against Heritage, I think we gained a lot of confidence on offense just because they're a better opponent than who we played in the past. We prepared offensively really well and same thing with defensively. And I think that's going to help us a lot going into Millbrook. Even though we took it out, we obviously couldn't learn from it. Absolutely. And these past few out-of-conference games, you've put up really impressive stats. Kind of talk about those. Um, well, I really think the offseason paying off. I think like a lot of hard work that I've been putting in is finally starting to show. Um, we've obviously prepared for everything. And, like, most we can. And that's obviously helped a lot with our offense, defense, and uh, statistically-wise. Absolutely. And last season, Sanderson, a lot of their key seniors. How are you guys kind of rebuilding? Uh, we have, like, a next-man-up kind of mindset. Coach Buck is, like, instilled into our brains. But that's pretty much one of the main reasons why we haven't been able to still play well with a lot of people leaving. Um. We've obviously worked off, like worked very hard this offseason, and it's probably starting to pay off. Absolutely. And Drew, I know you've done a few visits this summer. Talk about your offers and the recruiting process and what you've really enjoyed about it so far. Well, uh, you know, I've gotten a few interests from about every single level. Um, Methodist and Avery have both offered me at the Division Three level. Still working on 
anything the higher level, like the highest level I possibly can. But recruiting process is awesome. Get to meet a ton of people. Get to learn a lot of stuff about a lot of different people. Absolutely. And this summer, did you do six schools that you visited? Was it six? Uh, I think it was around six or seven. Did you ever Um, Probably App State, just because I love the mountains. And it was a nice, cool environment. Absolutely. And Drew, can you tell us the goal for Sanderson football this year? What are you guys working towards? Yeah, same thing. Everyone likes to have fun. Literally everybody on our team has fun, has a good laugh out there. But we're also trying to be competitive and play for a state championship. But I think we could make a pretty deep run this year. Pretty good shot at the state championship. Absolutely. And just looking ahead towards the in-conference schedule, what's one matchup you're really looking forward to and why? Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Big win over Leesville last year, 17-14, huge thing. Student section rushed the field. But this year, I'm really looking forward to Gibbons. I think it's going to be another upset like we had last year on our senior night. We're going to pull out a big win against Gibbons. Absolutely, big expectations. And Drew, from your past four years of playing Sanderson football, what's been your most memorable memorable game so far? Um, Probably the Triton game week three this year. Um, probably the best game I've played in my entire life, stats-wise. And the shootout, 156-55 against, you know, a cross-state rival almost. Absolutely. That was a really exciting game. Well, Drew, thank you so much for hopping on. Again, this is senior quarterback Drew Tainter from Sanderson High School. How big is that Sanderson Gibbons rivalry, Chelsea? Well, I think it's pretty big considering that it used to be Leesville. After we beat Leesville last year, I think we thought we could level up to beat Gibbons, but I don't know. We'll see when the game starts. It just got bigger. Yeah, that was, that was, that was my next statement. It just now, I think we got to focus on Millbrook this Friday first, then we can see about Gibbons. Absolutely. Well, imagine if imagine if Alex was here talking about Nick Drew's defense after he made that comment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? But Chelsea, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and get on Chelsea's work. Yeah, so my Twitter and DMs is at Chelsea Sipple. If you want an interview, we can set something up. You'll be featured on all news and observer outlets in North Carolina. It's the best coverage you can get. So at Chelsea Sipple, hit my DMs. There it is. She's right. Hit my DMs. We got to put that in her Chelsea's world. Like, we got to have, like, hit my DMs. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We'll see you next week. All right. See y'all next week. All right. Man, I, I tell you, I, I, there's no way I could be on a show with all us old dudes <laughs> like that and do and do interviews and, and make good video. Man, that's pretty impressive. All right, Alex isn't here today, so we're going to go back to the future and bring the guru back to do the rankings. These are Alex's rankings, but Guru's going to go through them. Uh-oh. As soon as I can find his thing. Alex told me I got to play his theme music, so we're going to play his little theme music.
All right, go ahead. Hey, and before I want to just say, before I go into the rankings, I want to say what a home run have we hit here with this Talking Preps team. To go from Kenzie to Chelsea like we've done, I mean, you want to talk about two grand slams back-to-back in walk-off fashion. We've had some incredible uh, correspondents that have done some great work for us. Uh, so, again, hats off to Chelsea. I've watched that young lady grow up since she was essentially like a freshman and what she's doing, and I couldn't be any more prouder than her. But, hey, here we are talking about Sir Alex Bass as a North Carolina high school football rankings. We're going to start right here in the 1A. Uh, Tarboro High School continues to be the number one ranked team. I think that that's a clear-cut winner. I don't see any um, really – uh, thing wrong with that. Thomasville right there. You know, they got that big game coming up this Friday night against Salisbury. Robbinsville, we've talked about Cutler Adams, uh, very good. Eastern Randolph is still that team right there, number four, that I think could be the number two, maybe even the number one kind of squeaker team. That's a team that I would look at really hard going into the playoffs. Uh, Mount Airy, Murphy, you know, no, no surprise there. Mitchell, Northampton County. I like that uh, Coach George Privet, Northampton team, uh, really sneaky good. I could see them sneaking into the championships uh, and then Andrews, Mountain Island Charter. Hey, Mountain Island Charter, they're going to have their hands full Friday night. Game is finally like prep. I'm excited. Coach Charter yeah. going to have that triple option attack going. Yeah, Grace has us picking that game this week. I'm going to be interested to see where folks go. All right, two acres. All right, looking here to two A rankings. Uh, and my question is, is where is Shelby? I don't care if they're one and three or not. I still think Shelby's probably the best team of the two A in the state of North Carolina. I uh, know you see East Surrey though. Alex is number one team. Reedsville, of course, Reedsville is going to be Reedsville, uh, pretty good. Monroe's team right here in the Queen City that I think we'll keep an eye on. Wallace Rose Hill again. Burns, I think Burns in my opinion will probably be like two or three. But you know what, Burns is solid. Hertford County, Salisbury, uh, Maiden. I, I like that Maiden team. Forest Hills is a team that I've seen Alex kind of keep around. I still kind of have a, a few question marks about him. Uh, but uh, Coach Jamie Deese, uh, he, he's had that Yellow Jacket team really looking good the past few weeks. And then Clinton right there. Uh, again, I mean, this is a who's who list of two A teams. Uh, no surprise with a lot of these guys. Forest Hills got a good little quarterback every week. I look really up for them in big games. All right, three acres. All right, looking here to 3A, uh, Coach Greg Lewis, Kings Mountain Mountaineers. Uh, that, that would have been Cricket Morton's old favorite team, by the way, if you was a fan of f- football Friday night in the 1990s. But the Mounties right there, number one, Havelock. Uh, 71st is a team I really like, 71st. Uh, coming out there, um, Fayetteville, uh, South Point, East Lincoln, Eastern Alamance is a team. I think Eastern Alamance is way, way undersold in this deal. I think that they're probably a two or three kind of team. Uh, Jacksonville Crest, I think, is a lot better than the eight that they're ranked. Uh, Scotland County, uh, kind of got some question marks about them. We'll see. Uh, Watauga, uh, we'll, we'll see. There's a lot of really good 3A football teams out there. Uh, really good 3A football teams in the state. A lot to pick from. But, uh, hey, that's is, a good Is list. there a certain 3A football coach in the room that could end up in the rankings before the season's over? I, I, I think that that's a no-brainer. I think that they could be. And, you know, there's some other 3A teams out there that ain't getting the hoopla. You know, a Westover. A Burlington Williams is a team that I really am high on. They got a linebacker that's made about 10,000 tackles so far this year. Uh, there's a lot of good football teams out there. Fight Club. All right, the, the four-way fight clubs we like to talk about. Uh, look at the three-three-six right out there, number one and number two. Easter Scythe, I think, deserves that ranking. Uh, Coach Todd Willard, everything that the Eagles have done, they looked apart. The uh, Grimsley, you know, we I've still got some question marks about them. I, I would even still not have a problem in the world if Chambers was number one. I think Chambers would be a bona fide number two if I was still doing rankings. Huff is right there in the mix. We know that they're good. Newburn's good. Cleveland, Cardinal Gibbons. I think Cardinal Gibbons is better than that seven ranking. Uh, but you see them right there in the mix. Mallet Creek, got no problem there. Weddington, they're going to get better and better. Uh, Millbrook, uh, you know, we had Coach May, uh, we had Mason Fortune on just a few minutes ago. 
Uh, good to see some representation out of Raleigh. I think that there's so many teams. I think Kickery Ridge, even the guy B, could still be on here if, if you really want my honest appraisal of it. Uh, but there's just so many good teams uh, that, that are here. Um, Butler, I mean, I'd have the Butler Bulldogs on there. But, again, 4A, you mentioned the Fight Club. That's what it is. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be ranked 25th or 30th in my old rankings that could beat a lot of teams in North Carolina. That Mallory, that Mallory Creek team, I swear, Grace, what do you think? I mean, I, they played such a tough schedule, got a huge win last week against Gaffney. I mean, I, and, and could have yeah. beaten South Point the week before. You're, you're talking a touchdown game. I mean, you know, that was always the thing with that team. I mean, I think they've kind of got that old school feel to them where they're going to play great defense. Offense is going to do just enough, but if you can't put up 20 points in that game, they're going to be in every single game the rest of the year. Yeah, they, they are really big and really talented, especially on the defensive end. They get their offense going. Like you said, they're going to be a problem. All right, Alex isn't here, but we do have a fire starter conversation. All right, we're going to talk about parochial schools. We get this every year. Gibbons and Catholic just dominate everything. And I put together some stats, uh, and you can see them on the screen. Uh, Cameron, I'm going to come right to you on this. I know you have some strong feelings about parochial schools. Talk to me. Yeah, I just uh, – I'm not fond of it. Um, I don't think they should play, you know, in the public setting. I mean – if any school that, whether it be a 25-mile radius or not, any school that gets to pick players and recruit at any level shouldn't shouldn't be in the same system with public schools that have stricter rules. And I know, Dale, you kind of feel the opposite. So, I mean, what do you think about when – you, when you see these numbers, though, before you get into your explanation, when you see these numbers, how does that make you feel? So, uh, I, I just got – Langston, I got a comment about the recruiting. So, uh, Catholic sure. recruits – seven and eight year olds they know what they know what a kid's going to be by the time they're in high school at seven and eight years old is what i just heard that is just that you know that's one of the that's one of the most um i'm gonna use i'm gonna be kind uneducated statements that we hear not just from Canada. i'm gonna be i'm gonna be kind well the real word is ignorant, but some people take that word the wrong way. Uh, there is no recruiting. The, the, the kids that play at Catholic have been together since they were seven and eight years old. They mm-hmm. go through the same system. Uh, if you can name 10 players over the last 10 years that did not play or did not play their freshman year at Catholic, I'd like to hear them. And if you can name, if you can name 20 that didn't play at Holy Trinity, I'd love to hear them. As far as the 20, as far as the 25 mile radius. So Cameron just kicked out uh, Mountain Island Charter out of the NCHSAA as well. Uh, and every other charter school that's a public school. One thing should be noted is the NCHSAA is not a public school only association. It's a state athletic association. Yes. There, they, there they are will rules. Take, they will take private schools if they want to apply and follow the rules. Absolutely. If they will, if they will follow the rules, the thing is, is they don't want to follow the rules. Uh, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic pretty close. Well, Catholic follows the rules more so than any other school or any other. Uh, yeah. I would say That's any right. of the other schools. They, they, they are the strictest about their three hundred and sixty rule. Uh, they had that in place before it was in place. Uh, 
anywhere else if somebody yeah. wanted to transfer in. So we could go on and on about this, but I don't think it impacts the success. What impacts the success at Catholic is one in football. It's the fact that if you think back before Holy Trinity, how good was um, uh, Catholic? Catholic was not so good. Uh, Holy Trinity came into being, and these kids play football from youth ball up together. Yeah, that, that's one thing people forget. When Catholic didn't have Holy Trinity playing football, they were not very good at all. It was 99, I think, in 98, when Holy Trinity started playing middle school uh-huh. football. And that's when Catholic kind of started taking off. I know they won in 77, and they, they dominated the the uh, the Rocky River 2A in the 80s, to the point the Rocky River wanted to get them out of the league. They tried to get them out of the association. But they went a long time without – being very good until they got middle school football and everybody started running that same system over and over. And it's, it's the same thing. You know, we Burns says the same thing down South Carolina. They, they play that brain system from youth ball yep. and they, they had a great run of, of being really good. Kim, before I come back to you, I want to go to Gary and Guru. Go ahead, Gary. You know, we like to, to say that Catholic has to follow the same rules as the, red, the rest of the state association. And I know we've discussed this on a yearly basis, but one thing that they don't have to do that, uh, or that the public schools can't do that, that Catholic can is that radius of 25 miles. Uh, public schools don't have a 25 mile radius. That's wrong. That's wrong. Every charter school has that same kind of situation. So that's wrong. That's, that's yeah, that is true. Yeah. That's true. But I'm saying public, not charter. Charters, I know charters fall under public schools. Charters, 100% charter schools don't play. Charter schools don't play in the same leagues as Catholic in four A leagues. No, they don't. They play one. No, because they're because of their populations are smaller. But that's what I mean by that. Okay. Okay. Catholics playing four A ball, and they have a twenty-five mile radius, and say a school like. Um, Hopewell or, or or Chambers, they don't have a 25-mile radius. They have distinct boundaries. Now, I know there are ways of turning around that. How many, non-Catholics, but, how many non-Catholics do you think are going to Catholic within that 25-mile radius? Oh, I don't think it's many, but, I mean, when they bring up that argument, okay, it's not totally true. Right. I, I think Catholics would be allowed to play. No, it is true, ball. Gary, because, because charter schools are public schools. If, if, I know that deal, but I'm saying charter schools are not playing 4A football. But uh, I would think that would Charlotte make it Catholics, harder for Catholic, honestly. Charlotte Catholic's playing up in class. Yeah. I, I well, would, it. Charter schools are not playing 3A f- football. Right. Because, I, no, I, I guess, because they don't have the population, Gary. If they had the population, I know, they had the I know deal, but still, that's two different circumstances. Yeah, but if I they mean, had the population, it's not two different circumstances. It's the same. It's the same radius that they can pull from how's it how is it the same circumstance the fact is all right well, the only difference Dale, is Dale, at a Dale, charter Dale, school Dale, Dale, you got to win a uh, lottery does, does catholic gain advantage if they reclass of kids in middle school damien is saying they're reclassing kids in middle school i know a lot of private school kids do this i know public school kids do this too by the way um are they gaining an advantage by doing that and is that occurring can can we see us can we get some data to see that this is Impacted them. Yeah, I think uh, that's going on across the board. All right, Guru, I, I, I know you're trying to put the bit. Go ahead. 
No, it's okay. Hey, Sir Alex Bastrude did pick a good topic uh, for this fire started conversation, but the only thing I think it started fire quicker would be his iron in the background. Anyway, <laughs> I, anyway I'm going to digress on that one. Uh, you know, what I've been saying for years that uh, Catholic, uh, Colonel Givens, you know, they all, now there, there might be some others out there, maybe in some girls basketball that I think have done some shady things. I'm not going to mention any of those private schools up in uh, Forsyth County or anything like that. Uh, but in, in regards to Catholic and Charlie, uh, and, and Carl McGivens, I think that they've far and away done the right thing. Um, you know, it goes back to a conversation I had with uh, Rick Strunk in terms of recruiting. And, and, and for the record, just from a football aspect, you look at kids get off the activity bus off the hoof from Catholic or Cardinal Givens, and you'd want to fire their recruiting director if you really were into that kind of a thing. So I don't think they're recruiting football, not at all. Uh, but I'll go back to a conversation I had with Rick Strunk one time, and he was talking about an accusation that a parent made towards Cardinal Givens in regards to volleyball. And they had this great girl, uh, ninth grader. She was already about 6'2". Uh, she was an incredible uh, setter or whatever they do in volleyball. I don't follow the sport that well. Uh, but she had a great pedigree, moved in from California, and become a star on these Cardinal Givens volleyball teams. And this parent made a big uh, fuss about it, and they really did go through. And Rick did everything. He went through every piece of paper, every phone bill, power bill. You know, he did his due diligence to see. And he came back to that parent. And he said, you know what? After doing a lot of research, he said they, they, they did move that girl in from uh, – from California to play volleyball, but he said they must have one hell of a damn uh, recruiting budget because they moved her there in the fifth and when she was five years old. So that being said, <laughs> you know, I don't see you know, these private schools going out there recruiting kids for football. You know, sure, I want to say this, and I said this about Tommy Knotts when it came to football. I don't think Tommy Knotts necessarily went out recruiting, but his brand recruited itself. And I think for the education that these parents want to put their kids in the best spot possible, it recruits itself. And that's why the kids go there, but I just don't think they're out there recruiting. And I think, and Dale said this, I know for a fact because I've seen it personally, uh, and I've had conversations with officials up in Chapel Hill. I think that Catholic for sure, and I think Cardinal Gibbons as well, they probably hold themselves to a much higher standard uh, than most of the public schools in just making sure that their I's are dotted and their T's are crossed to make sure they're doing the right thing. Gary. Uh, Chris jogged my memory about something when he mentioned Tommy Knotts, and, and it's kind of about you know what Pet Man was saying about um, facilities. Tommy used to always open up wherever he coached, he would open up his stadium on Saturdays for Pop Warner games, and he would hang around all day. I guess he's watching film, doing uniforms, that type of thing. But parents would come up to him and build relationships with Tommy. And that's an advantage a school like Harding no longer has because they don't have a turf field. That's why my argument with is don't have a, a regional stadium. Every school needs to have a turf field. So on Saturdays, they can profit off uh, renting those fields out to Pop Warner or lacrosse. Um, I know it's a little bit off the subject, but when Chris said Tommy Knotts, it jogged my memory about Tommy didn't recruit but he knew those kids from the time they were small because they were playing Pop Warner at Independence and at West Charlotte and at Harding because he opened the stadium up on the weekends. Yeah, I'm in favor of regional stadiums, but not in lieu of on-campus stadiums. I think we, I think having an on-campus stadium is such a big part of your, you know, your pep rallies, your graduations, your homecoming. It's just, you know, nobody wants to, you know, be fighting Charlotte traffic all the time. And Sam probably can attest to that, trying to get to a 7 o'clock game. Cameron, I'm going to give you the last word here. Haven't heard any of this. Did any of this change your mind? Are you looking at all those state championships? These guys have won 150 state, 130 state championships. 
in 20 years and, and you just say, no, no, no. What do you think? I mean, does it change my opinion? Not really. And I mean, I'm not saying Dale Guru, I'm not saying you're wrong in what you're saying. I'm sure Catholic, you know, they bring these kids up through middle school and all this stuff, but the 25 mile thing is what, you know, I'm hanging my hat on. It shouldn't be allowed period. I mean, you got schools like Myers Park chambers that are getting scrutinized and under the microscope and, you know, West Charlotte. If they're not, if they're not yeah, West, West Charlotte, my man. Said, right, Cameron, let, me, let me ask you this question. If Catholic had a normal geographic boundary and they were just drawn with, you know, up and down 51 in that area, there's only a certain percentage of Catholics that live there. So their, their, their draw would be very, very small. Their school would be tiny. So by giving them a larger boundary, they can draw more Catholics in because their school is 98, 99% Catholic. Does that make any sense? Yeah, all it makes sense. But I mean, I don't know. It just don't fit your agenda. If you go to Catholic, you don't see like the same type of athletes that you see in some of those schools. Don't hit me with facts. Chris Williams says, "Make them a one A school. Just let them uh, let them drop oh, no, one A I'm gonna make one thing. I know we're heavy. Um, yeah, we are. Wrap it up. I'm sorry. Sorry, brother. Hang on. The one thing you said was the key factor in all this, the Holy Trinity. Imagine if every high school had one direct feeder that was the direct feeder. We all knew this is the feeder of the middle school. Imagine the high school coaches adapting the middle school coaches and yep. making it a part of their program. We could all be birds. Huh? Yeah, we could all be birds. It, it would be really, really cool. Then you kind of know, all right, this is a wean T type school. This is a spread school. This is a spread school. This is a spread school. And then there's – this type of school and there's this school it'd be kind of cool to see how those teams develop through the years and competing against each other i think it would bring football back like this team is known for this type of identity this team is known for this type of identity you wouldn't have and that was the original intent of governor's village when james martin and vance opened that was how it was supposed to work the high school coaches were supposed to hire the middle school coaches but once Martin opened up. We had no say in what went on at Martin. Sam, how many middle schools feed you? Um, it's a combination of three. Three, exactly. Yeah, it's typically three uh, around Charlotte. So there's three middle schools feeding one high school. You've got such a big mixture of kids coming in. What a mess to, yeah. to start right. out as a we're, freshman. We're going to leave that one there. Maybe we'll come back and revisit later. But uh, it's time for Alex's top 10 games. The girl's going to take over for it. I got to find right, him. Let's look at oh, Sir Alex Bass's top 10 games. And, man, there's a lot of games here. Uh, Grimsley and Southeast Guilford. Uh, man, that's uh, one of these teams is uh, going to really – uh, come away southeast Guilford is kind of a team kind of on the upside uh they've had a a good win where they've already kind of ironed over Greensboro no, sorry I've used that iron I think that went well <laughs> yeah, with Alex's iron choke uh, but anyway uh southeast Guilford at Grimsley so that's going to be a good game coach Daryl Brown has them whirl he's looking really good Salisbury at Thomasville again uh Thomasville's ranked second in Alex's 1A rankings uh they're definitely a good team uh Salisbury is a team that I'm not quite sure what they are. They're definitely not the team that we saw the past couple of years. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're still a really good team. Hickory Ridge Dale Brown's a team, a game that, uh, you know, I'm, I've kind of got an eye on. I think Dale Brown's better than what some of the critics may have suggested. But nonetheless, I don't, uh, I think Hickory Ridge uh, certainly would probably be uh, the, the top team. 
uh, Providence and Charlotte Catholic, a big game, South Point and Stuart Kramer. Very intriguing game right there. Stuart Kramer, Coach Ben McMillan of the Storm, uh, they have certainly got things going in the right direction. Uh, but it's one thing to be better. It's another thing to try to beat them Red Raiders. Uh, Leadsville Road to Wake Forest looking on the eastern side of the state, big-time game. Uh, Sun Valley at Monroe. Uh, Newburn at Havelock's always a, an incredible rivalry game. Rivalry. I've been to that one a few times, always a lot of intensity. Easter side of Reagan. Reagan is a team, I want to tell you guys, they're on nobody's radar for the top 10, but I think Reagan is a team that could be in the top 10 before the end of the year. Uh, that's a sneaky, tough game. Coach Todd Willard's teams have struggled a little bit with Reagan over the years. Uh, Northern Nash is, is another one of those 3A teams that I think could be in the top five uh, sooner than later uh, playing over in Bunn. All right. Well, we're going to do something a little different this week. Grice is going to do an East and West game he's going to highlight. Which one are we going to start with, Grice? It doesn't matter. Surprise me. Whichever way you want to go. All right. Here we go. All right, we're going to start up in the East, Leesville and Wake Forest. Why does Leesville win, Rex? All right, man, I had to start with this game again. That's a big-time game over there. But if Leesville wins, I think it's simple. Um, you know, DJ Scott's got to dominate. You know, we've had him on our list so far, one of the leaders of that team, one of the best running backs in the state. And you know this is the type of game he's going to get 20 to 30 touches of the football. It's pretty simple. He's been on our Mr. Football watch list from the beginning, and he's got to show in these kind of games why he's worth the hype. Um, secondly, they've got to win the turnover battle. Uh, Nico Sanye leads the team with four picks. Uh, Josiah Gary last week had a big do-it-all type game, had a 105-yard interception return for a touchdown against, I think it was Wallace Rose Hill last week. So they're going to need that, you know, in this kind of really close ground-and-pound kind of game where, you know, you're keeping it on the ground. That turnover that's going to turn the tide is going to be huge in this type of game. And then looking at their schedule, this is one of the weird, you know, schedule quirks. I know we have, you know, Sam Griner here who deals with the away games a lot. But, you know, we've got a situation in which, you know, we have a team that's dealing with five straight away games, especially last week after going two, two and a half hours away to uh, teaching North Carolina, I think it is, or Wallace Rose Hill. So, you know, this is their first of two big tests. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. In the next three weeks, you know, we're looking at Cardinal Gibbons not too far down the road. So they've got a rare schedule, and it's that first big test they've got. Can they handle it? Flip it for me. All right, Wake Forest. Again, this is one of those games, Langston. If you got dinner reservations at 930, I think you might get there at 915 <laughs> before you get to your dinner. Wake Forest is going to do it in a very similar way as uh, Leesville Road is. But, again, they've got a more balanced rushing attack. So you've got that duo of Mikey De Pasquale and Aquavius Armstrong are going to need to be at their best to control the game. You know, their second piece there, they're going to hit for explosive plays in that pass game. And when they do, they're going to go to Coach Reggie Lucas's son, Nigel Lucas, you know, big play receiver, high yards per catch average there. Um, and then the third, they've got to show they're up for the challenge. You know, they, they had a narrow loss to Cardinal Gibbons. We know their rushing attack is top tier. They've got to show they can do this against one DJ Scott, which is probably going to be the best running back they face in the regular season. All right. Well, tell me about the Battle of Belmont. Why is South Point going to win? 
a lot of people didn't didn't look at this game, and I think even I've seen some people in the back don't think this is going to be as good of a game. But for South Point to win, they've got to play typical Red Raider football. We know the Red Bombs have been going along for years and years. Funny enough, so far through four games, they have seven completions for 140 yards. So they throw the ball less than Sam Griner, and they're going to do that again and dominate that time of possession. As we talk, you know, it's here in a second about Stuart Kramer's way they move the ball down the field. Definitely difference. Second, that secondary has got to show up big. There's something for teams that run the ball a lot where their secondary doesn't necessarily get the opportunity to go against diverse and good passing attacks. They'll go up against that this week. And guys like Jaquise Rump, who has two picks so far this season, he's got to help to show that slow down that Storm's passing attack. Tyler Ward and Isaiah Johnson are some of the big play guys for the Storm. He's going to need to mark one of those guys and make sure he has a block to help slow them down. And finally, we know it's with the storm, you know, Rokemore has got to be the guy that they've got to keep in check. Aiden Ramirez already has eight hurries this year, and he's going to be needed to key on that defensive front to ensure he's uh, accounting for the quarterback. And that defensive group is making sure they've got a spy on the man. Right, flip it for me, Grace. I, I lost my card on that. Uh, oh, it's all good. With Stu Kramer, we all know where it's coming. One of the best quarterbacks that Gaston County's seen, Justin Rokemore. I hope I'm saying that right. Rokemore, Rockmore. Again, he's got to rock out. He's Mr. Do-It-All for them. He's the leading rusher, over averages uh, 84 yards a game and almost 300 yards passing each game. He needs all of that and more. You're talking four, five, 500 t- total yards, I think, to win this game. He's got to be on point. Uh, the defense has got to stop the rushing attack, though. We know the Red Raiders are going to run the ball. You know it. Guru knows it. Cam knows it. They've got to have almost 300 yards per game and get that Red Raider rushing attack off schedule. And finally, they've got to take early shots. To me, if you want to get this rushing attack off their game, Rockmore's got to get that ball down the field, take it, get it to Kamari House, Hunter Die, some of his big player receivers to make sure they, those are those guys you're worried about, Tyler Ward, Isaiah Johnson. One of those guys I think is going to have a big play. And if they're able to do that early, they're going to make South Point do something that they don't do a lot of, which is get that ball in the air. So it's going to be a fun game, a battle of contrasting styles here. That's why I've got it as the Western game of the week. Battle of Belmont. I just got a text. Langston, who's that guy on there? Sykes on ESPN. Go ahead, Guru. What you gonna say? I want to say one thing, and you know, I, I got I gotta agree with what Coach Christ said about South Point. You know, it goes back to my years way, 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 way many moons ago when we were really good at South Rowan. And there was a lot of times that we were a lot better than AL Brown, but that big K on that helmet was just a hard thing to deal with on Friday nights. And this belt and this Kramer team is gonna have to prove. Uh, that they can go over and beat a South Point Red Raider team. It's just something about that team. You know, they've had their number, uh, and, and I do think that Kramer might be a little bit more talented, but I just think it's going to be a tough battle to go in there. But I want to go back to that Wake Forest at least for road game and kind of hit on something that Coach Christ said. And I just want to say this guy's name. He's not necessarily a Mr. Football guy that we want to talk about next, uh, but Mikey Deep and Squally is one of the best football players I've seen. You know that orbit motion that Coach Hansel Phipps uses uh, – uh, the offensive coordinator at Wake Forest or with the wing tee they've got. They put Deep Squally, you know, in the backfield. You know, he comes off into the slot. He is one of the most electric players I've seen in North Carolina. He is fast. He's slippery. He's hard to bring down. He's got a gajillion yards over the last three years. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go play at Oregon, but he's a fun guy to watch on Friday nights, and I think he'll be tough for that Leesville Road uh, defense. All right. Um, I'm going to drop fresh faces right now, and then we're going to come back with uh, Mr. Football. We're going to go to fresh faces. All 
All right, my man Grice, here we are, another week of fresh faces. Uh, the high school football season is just moving right along, and we see week in, week out, you know, we've got a lot of these young and up-and-comers. Uh, we had no clue who they were when the season started, uh, but we see them putting some big-time performances on the high school gridiron each and every week, and uh, we're going to hit some up this week, and we're going to start in Cuthbertson. We talked a lot about this team already. Uh, Parker Burke, quarterback, 17 of 22, 270 yards and three touchdowns, and a comfort behind 35-28 victory over South Mech on Friday. Uh, Grice. So what do we see from this guy? Hey, we see a guy that has Keenan Jackson on the side. But honestly, too, like, look at the highlights here. You see the improvisation. You see the guy, as you know, when he's getting pressure, his eyes continually to stay downfield. He's aware, no matter what, I've got to get the ball to my playmakers and make it happen. I'm excited for him, again, to show, you know, showcase his talent against a big comfort behind win over South Mech. So he's a kid I think we've got to watch out for. Look at the touch right there on that speed out that he just threw. He's a guy that's got some great arm talent, and I look forward to see what he's going to do this year as he into his uh, Union County Conference schedule. I'm going to tell you what I see, Grice, as a former quarterback coach myself, and I look at it. He throws a very catchable ball. In some instances, sure. he just throws it right up there for the receiver to run right under. And on some others, I've seen some really sharp back shoulder passes where he put it only where that receiver could get it. So this is a young man who I think we're going to be seeing a lot from in the future. I agree. All right, uh, Covenant Day High School, um, and I'm going to uh, apologize if I mispronounce your name, Alex, but Alex – Covatos, or I'm just going to call you the big K, Alex. Uh, Alex, uh, you went 26 uh, in a 26-25 victory over Metrolina Christian, had seven catches for 116 yards, two touchdowns, also had an interception, four a score, two pass breakups, seven tackles. Man, this guy is just a baller uh, out there helping the Lions in the big stop on the final possession of the game to win the game. A big K right there for me, Alex Covatos. Uh, what do you think about him, Coach Grace? I mean, he's got great size, and I love, you know, watching film from these younger, you know, look at him fill the alley right there. Like, that's like a great safety. I love watching the smaller schools as you get to see guys do it all. I mean, a kid that shows you after you made a great catch over a DB on one side, he's now filling the alley as a safety and coming down and, and making plays on slot receivers. So I love the versatility we were able to get to see from this guy. And, again, we're really helping that Covenant Day program as they're continuing to trend upward. You know, he's key, clearly, Big K is clearly a key component in the victory. I'm, I'm going to date myself in this, but the way he came after the ball and lowered that shoulder looked a little old school, looked a little 80s or 90s, kind of looked like a John Lynch from Tampa Bay or Denver coming in there making that stop. Uh, so, hey, that's some good praise for you, it. young man. I All right, let's it. stick right here in the Metro Atlanta area, uh, Independence High School, Justin Little, and a 69-14 victory over Hopewell. Uh, Little completed 19 to 23 passes for 342 yards. Yeah, you heard that right, 342. Five touchdowns also ran for 48 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Coach Grice, Independence is on the rise. Uh, this guy right here seems to be one of the catalysts in making things happen. Oh, you want to know clearly why they're 4-0? This, this guy right here. Um, I mean, you talk about that high efficiency rating. I mean, again – God is doing it big. I mean, we know Hopewell isn't isn't doing well this year, especially on the defensive end, but clearly he's showing that I'm going to be as efficient as possible when facing a bad team, and he did everything that he could to display that, you know, on, in the air and on the ground. So that was big-time ball here, five touchdowns. Young kid, I think he's still only a sophomore, so he's got plenty of room to grow, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I mean, he may start reaching that upper echelon of those big-time independence quarterbacks. It's a little early for that yet, but – performances like this let you know that it's in them for sure yeah and who would have thought that uh it would have taken to the fourth week of the season uh for this final 
uh, fresh face of the year, and I'll let the video catch up with it. I'm kind of getting ahead. Uh, but who would have thought that it would have taken four weeks uh, for Richmond County to get their first victory of the year? Although, let's, let's just be true, uh, they've played some of the best of the best teams in the state. I think that they're a really good team, and they just played a tough schedule. They're kind of young. Uh, young guys get fresh faces. Uh, Tate Spencer in a 28-19 victory over Southview High School, which ended their opening three-game uh, losing streak. Uh, Spencer ran the ball 26 times for 202 yards, two touchdowns, also had four catches from 95 yards, and another score. Uh, we know that that down southeast uh, brand of football is tough and physical. That's a lot of yards for that young man. Oh, it is for sure. And, I mean, I think that, you know, Richmond County kind of had to get back to what we know Richmond County to be. With that big line, they really had to get on the ground running the football. And we can see that they really took time to make sure that they were making that a priority this week. 26 for 202 and two touchdowns. We're very clear to see what that plan was for Coach Till and, and you know, and the, and the coaching staff this week. You know, additionally here, you're seeing some, you know, some quick passes, screen pass there to allow for that big time uh, play there. I almost got in there, but that, I think that was going to be the key for them to get back on track is getting quick, easy passes and really establishing the run game to make sure they're effective. All right. Uh, well, we've done it again. Uh, that's another week of Fresh Faces here on Talking Preps NC. Uh, Coach Grice, uh, we, I know you're a scour in the state every week looking for these young and up and comers. Uh, how, how do they get in touch with us? I mean, I think, again, if you're having great performances or you're a young guy that's really had a, had a good performance and we haven't really highlighted you or your school, reach out to us. I mean, Ed Langston Wirtz Jr. at Observer Preps, let us know how you're doing. We want to get you on the show. We love to see fresh face and talent that people aren't aware of, but then they come on the show, and a lot of times it springboards them into bigger opportunities. So excited always to highlight these guys. We look forward to seeing you. All right, well, there it is. We're going to go right to Mr. Football. Right, you got some new faces. Got some new faces. You know, again, you saw Cutler Adams. You know, I think we saw him, you know, Grice's gym. He's on the western side of the state doing his thing. Had to add Luke Bailey again. You know, we had, what was it, almost 15 touchdowns in two weeks. Uh, the leader definitely on the clubhouse so far in, in touchdowns. Folger Boaz, the undefeated East Surrey uh, team, again, leading, you know, leading his group, one of the better quarterbacks stat-wise so far. Again, these two next receivers, Casey Concepcion and Chris Culliver, I mean, I think, you know, they, their, their name, their numbers speak for themselves, as does Jaden Davis. All three of them have had strong uh, stats to start the season. We'll worry about Casey Concepcion. Hopefully his injury you know, isn't long-lasting. Again, he was out this past week. Um, we had Mason Fortune on, again, seven touchdowns in his last game. That's not too surprising at all. Um, David Hobbs with Robinson led to that big-time defense. So where is he committed to Georgia as a Langston? Uh, I don't think he's committed yet. Right. Oh, okay. Whoops. Hope I didn't break anything. But again, he's let that <laughs> defense. You know, again, that I think that game they had versus Independence is looking better and better as, as time goes on. Um, Tad Hudson, again, has had two strong weeks these past two weeks. As he's continuing, it looks like to get into form after starting off, you know, a little slower against a tougher Dutch Fork team. Uh, Jamal Jarrett, the D lineman out of Grimsley, you know, highly ranked. Again, that Grimsley defense has been tough so far. Uh, Nathan Leacock's the guy that came on the scene. I mean, hey, playing with Mason Fortune, you know, it definitely helps. But he's had some big-time numbers, had five touchdowns in the first half uh, this past game. So, you know, his big stats, I think he's second in the uh, in the state in touchdowns. So yes. he's right there. Uh, Again, Dalen Lee and Marquise McCombs both putting up big numbers. I think Mar Marquise McCombs has uh, 13 touchdowns so far this year. Dalen Lee's putting up big time numbers. I think it's 15 touchdowns, almost 1,300 yards, uh, one of the tops in the state. 
Um, and then again, you have Noah Rogers uh, has, has been a guy that's been on here playing big time for Roseville. KJ Sampson's one I will talk about here in a sec is another newcomer to the to the scene. And then Lex Thomas out of Heritage again, another guy that that's been doing well. Um, and then we've got a couple names on, on the on the fringe there, and I think that's been something interesting to look at. Uh, Caden Haywood out of Hickory Ridge has been a guy that we're watching. You know, he's had some good games, albeit slow this past week against Chambers. Zay Bridges out of Shelby. I mean, Dalen Lee, one of his favorite targets. And again, Zay Bridges adds the return effect. You know, you got to think about that when it comes to an all-purpose, do-it-all type guy. Uh, Guru left to Tyreek Samuel out of Eastern Alamance. He referenced him as one of his big teams. He thinks he's going to shoot up the rankings. Tyreek is one of those guys, 789 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns, second in the, in, in the state in touchdowns behind Bailey. Definitely a guy that we're watching for sure. Um, finally, uh, last couple guys here, Jalen Neal to Bartley Yancey, uh, leads the state actually in yards, almost 600 yards so far, tied with Nathan Leacock for touchdowns. You know, these are guys that we that are up there so far. We want to see if they can keep doing it and, and maintain that that level. And then the last two defensive guys for Sam here, we've got Peyton Wright out of Eastern Alabama. I mean, he's leading North Carolina in tackles so far with over 70 tackles. And then Zion Jackson Bass, uh, the, the highly touted defensive end. I feel like he's been starting at Chambers for three years so far. He's second in the state of North Carolina with nine sacks and is a big, you know, guy in that uh, Chambers, one of the Chambers defense. And just for Sam, we're going to highlight a defensive guy this week that's new to our list. Take it away, Grace. Here's uh, Mr. Sampson. All right, we've got to highlight KJ Sampson. You know, he plays for New Bern, and a big reason why they're 4-0 right now. I think he's a, a Florida State commit. Again, leads the state of North Carolina with 10 sacks. You know, big has, has 17 QB hurries. Griner, he's one of the best defensive guys, I think, in the state right now. He's a guy that we've got to look at. He's leading the state in sacks. So we had to put that there with 12 solo tackles, 29 total. Sam, what do you see here in this tape that you like about him? His ability to get off the ball and change direction is phenomenal. Yes, sir. Like that other one, when he when he guarded the screen, I mean, he his ball get off was phenomenal. But then he was able to literally change gears and move lateral on a dime. Um, right here, I like to see him move his feet a little bit more. But um, the guys, this guy, yeah, the one is circling. I mean, it's a big boy right there. But his hand <laughs> strength, that one play, for him to get lateral, yeah. chases down, pretty good. Pretty good. That one play was really, really good. Though. The one that was on the screen, like that a lot. Oh, agreed. He's a Ooh. man playing most of the That's good. And I my, dream, my dream for a defensive lineman, if we're looking for a highlight, just to let you know, is to take another man against his will and sit him in the lap of a quarterback or a running back. Make the tackle with your man. Playing oh, your technique. He's said, he did that in like four straight highlights. Oh, and I, I think he's played the minimum boys out there in the eastern part of the state. And they played some good talent. They played uh they played uh Mari, Mari Commodores out of the 757 area. That's the Virginia Beach area. They yeah. beat them so far. So I mean they've played some talent. They're not out there playing against you know young boys. So he's a guy again. We know that we can spotlight a lot of these other guys and a lot of these names that we hear, the Cullivers, the Conceptions, the Jaden Davises. But with this spotlight, we want you to understand why some of these names are out there and why that they're you know they're on this list. So this is gonna be a year, this is gonna be a year of Mr. Football defensive guy. Watch, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen this year. We've got some names on there for sure. I, I think it's going to be interesting, but as we've seen so far, I mean, you can't have a guy like a Luke Bailey, like a Cutler Adams, like a Jaden Davis that are coming out here really approaching state records with touchdowns in game and threatening for season yards. So, I mean, it's going to take a huge defensive effort. We're going to have to have some state records close to being broken this year to, to really be, get Mr. Football. Well, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. Yeah, it is time. I see the three of us here in the three shots, so it's time to close the door, lock the door, uh, see which one of you coaches is going to iron the competition tonight, so let's do it. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. 
struggling and he is just this pandemic man i've been trying to get covid just to keep a lineup they sit in my house like hey we, hey, you shout out hey, to your life you know over there getting getting uh, yeah get a little, yeah. little longer yeah i got and you. not just Grice is barber but Grice, you, you look like you really did a good job hiring in that shirt tonight too my hey, man oh, got my hbcu shirt for our did conversation you borrow, did you borrow that from alex is that why hey. he couldn't make it tonight yes sir <laughs> all righty my man uh here we are back again uh Coach versus coach. I got my man, Coach Sam. Got Coach Christ right here. Uh, Sam, I, I know the drill. You're going to defer, right? That's right. We kick him. All right, man. Uh, well, this uh, Christ is going to receive. Uh, let's go ahead and throw the first question out there. Should targeting in football at any level, albeit, uh, be an automatic ejection? Uh, coach Christ, you're up. It should. I think when we talk about teaching kids to play the right way, we've got to start at the ground level. I think, you know, if we're we're penalizing kids at the collegiate level who've played football a certain way for eight to 10 years. And all of a sudden when they get to college, we're telling them, hey, you need to change everything that you've learned. Then if we're going to do that, we might as well start at the younger ages to really work and teach these kids, hey, you got to tackle the right way and also get some of these younger coaches into shape. I mean, again, a lot of these guys at the lower levels that we've got to make sure they're teaching things the right way. They go through the old USA football or whatever with the heads up tackling. Grinder knows I've been out there with them at some of these youth games. I mean, you got guys out here teaching crazy ways to, to tackle it and get guys, you know, really put in some dangerous situations. Putting the rule in there for, hey, if you hit someone the wrong way, you utilize your helmet, you're out of here for the rest of this game, provides and sets a precedent that we need to teach tackling the right way. It keeps the game safer and minimizes head injuries at the younger ages. This is, this is the most ridiculous wrong answer Grice has ever had in his entire life. It's no possible way you can get ejected in high school. There's no way to review the play. Um, we already missed calls as it is. For double passes, someone is throwing the ball seven yards in front of them and they throw it again and we're doing ultimate frisbee and it's called a touchdown. We're already missing calls like that. So we already start doing targeting and ejecting someone. I, it's bad enough to get a 15-yard penalty because there's no way to review it. Absolutely not. Not. If they does, I might quit football coaching. Like <laughs> Because you would miss it so many times in high school. We are not going to be able to do that. There's no chance of it. This this is going to be the easiest victory I ever had. Like, Petman goes down, Grice going down. Easy. <laughs> I agree with both of you. In fact, I agree with Grice 100% the fact that, you know, the coaches need to do a better job at teaching the tackling. Uh, but I, I kind of have to lean with Sam a little bit. But, Grice, I want to ask this question specifically to you because I know that you have done some officiating. In fact, I could, I could see you doing some ACC games in a decade or so. I think you'd be that good at anything you do. But but give the subjective nature of the call and the, just the bang, bang, uh, you know, that back judge or that umpire throwing that flag there. How, how without the ability to review these calls, especially at these lower levels, especially high school, high school being what it is without the multi-million dollar infrastructure put in there with cameras and, and iPads and things like that. How, how could you really adjudicate that fairly uh, without it just being a subjective call? Well, let's also be very clear on the rules because I think, 
you know, people aren't understanding. I know in 2019, we had a situation at uh, versus North Met where in the game, we had a guy that, you know, again, got ejected and we were able to rescind any suspension. So, you know, if some a situation happens where maybe they're suspended for a half or whatever like that, there is review or something that can take place so that guy isn't ejected. Keep in mind, if someone's ejected in CMS, they're also ejected for that next game. Am I right, Sam? I think it's at least one game, if it's not two. games. A lot two. Of Sorry, they double it. That's right. That's right. So, again, I'm fine with a whatever partial game penalty that results. But there will be review. Again, that gets any disqualification. And, and you believe you me, if Sam Griner feels like his team has been done wrong, he is sending that film, he is tagging it, he is giving you screen by screen level to show exactly where this was or this wasn't targeting. So there is a review system in place for all disqualifications if coaches utilize that. There's already the mechanism in place. If we utilize it that way, again, that can prevent from wrong decisions being made to have ramifications outside of the game. We had a situation in a game where a guy's punching to get the ball out on defense and the referee is trying to act like he took a shot to punch a kid and ejected him. Those situations already occur in football. This would be nothing different, but it legislates and ensures that we're teaching the way to punch the ball out the right way and it doesn't look like we're punching. So, so it should be a penalty, but not ejected. Now, that kid that was punching the ball out, he was ejected from that game, correct? Well, what if that's the key player that helps you win that game? In colleges, you have the ability to review it right away. Yeah, we might be able to review it on the weekends when we're supposed to be with our families, when we're only getting underpaid already and all these other categories go in. Have the capability where, you know, CMS or whoever in the state steps up and provides this review program where you all have play-by-play where they can go into a booth, then I'm all for it. But until then, you can't eject a kid for this subject. You know, it's just two-way. It's too easy to be able to get ejected and the guy did absolutely nothing wrong. And not, next thing you know, he's out for the game. Wrong. I, I, well, yeah, you can't say that. TA, let's work to make sure we're teaching the right way, though. We got to get you targeting. I'm saying there's going to be ways to get you teaching all your offensive guy leans his head down. It's still, that's nobody ever looks that at it. happens all the time and never gets called. It's, every, see, we got Grice, who's predominantly offense, and I'm defense. We're allowed to stiff arm, push hands in the face, do all this. We're allowed to get that extra yard, stick your head in there, all this. Never Have you ever seen targeting on offense? Ever. But they drop their head more than the deck on defense does. So until we start changing other things, we're talking about safety. That's what we need to do. Fair, fair points for both of you. Uh, I, I can agree, and then in some cases, I think both of you could agree to disagree, but I think you both make some very fair points. Love you, brother. And it's, not, it, it's definitely something uh, for the legislatures and, and the rulemakers and stuff to consider in years going forward. But here we go, round two of Coach versus Coach. Uh, Coach Sam Griner, you're up on this one. Uh, should the HBCUs be getting paid the same as a group of five teams uh, to go and take a loss to a Power 5 school? Uh, you know, you know, um, when Florida A&M, when Alabama State went to play their big games, you know, they were making upwards of like 400000 500000 for a loss. Yet when you see schools like Appalachian go and play at Texas A&M, you know, they're walking home with a million and a half dollars. And, and there's a huge disparity there. So what do you think, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Griner? Yeah, I think that whoever is setting up that game needs to do a little bit better of the contract. And uh, I don't know if it's the AD providing that situation, but play a little bit more hardball with them. And uh, imagine – you know, Deion Sanders' team going to play someone, he's going to get the $2 million because I think he's going to make sure he promotes it the correct way and gets them, you know, the money they're supposed to make. Um, it just depends on who you're playing. I think it depends. Like, Texas A&M has, you know, that oil money, so they're going to provide more money towards it. Now, someone going to play, you know, North Carolina Chapel Hill is going to be a little bit less money compared to, like, Texas A&M. So it just depends on who you're playing. But I definitely wish they would get paid more. Yes, that would be great. 
I understand. Again, for me, I'll say first there, and I was wrong on this. This is another discussion, fire start or whatever. I think Dion's done an amazing job to advance the cause of HBCUs and ensure that mm. they get fair and equitable treatment. However, one part of this that we actually forgot about, Marshall and App State actually beat the opponent and Georgia Southern actually beat their opponent. These aren't situations where you have teams that are showing up. Again, Jackson State is, is becoming different or an anomaly. FAMU isn't at that level still or isn't at the level of, of an app state, even when they were in FCS. We're not talking about, you know, North Dakota State, like these top teams. App State literally only lost, what, one or two games last year in a group of five and was a top mm-hmm. 15, a top 20 team. I think we're comparing apples to oranges a little bit here. Yes, they can advocate for more, but, you know, what's going to happen is some of these teams aren't just aren't going to pay them or play, you know, play those teams. So I think that they should try to advocate that, but they're not worth the same. I, 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 would, I would not say that in that situation. Again, you should try, but you should not be paid as much as a group of five school because you're not a group of five school. That's it. Point blank period. Yeah. I agree with you, Coach Christ. I, th- I do think Dion's doing the right thing. You know, he's shaking the tree. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, you know, he uh, by he putting it out in the public like it is, it is going to raise more awareness. Uh, but, you know, the business side of it is, it is what it is. You know, the TV contracts dictate so many things. And you're going to yes. get more eyeballs on these big-time games at these bigger venues. So it is what it is. And, you know, it may not be fair and equitable. But, unfortunately, a lot of things in life aren't when it comes to finances. So I think we're just seeing uh, that the TV revenue share probably dictates this more so than the school. I'm sure the school would love to pay them more, but it just is what it is. You know, they got to go with the bag of money they've got. <laughs> I love you, Grace. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, round three. Uh, let's finish this up right here. Coach versus coach. Uh, coach Grice, uh, you're going to stick with it right here going with you. Uh, how um, can college football games be shortened? You know, we're seeing some games that are four-plus hours a game. Uh, we're going to stay right here with you. I mean, this is asking, like, how can, you know, how can we give Griner less vegan food or how can we give, you know, the guru less sun drop? Like, who wants that? Like, who wants games to be shortened? I, I fell asleep because I was tired and it sucked Saturday, but I'm mad I miss freaking Baylor BYU. More, please. Give it more. It's like chocolate cake. I want more of this. So who wants to shorten games? These games were long as crap, and I loved it. I don't care. I don't want it. I love to throw the ball. Our games are long as crap, Griner. We are still going while you're probably at home hugging your babies. You got Elijah Rock in your freaking baby Bjorn, and I'm still on that field coaching because we throw the ball. Those games are long as crap. We do not need to shorten college football games. If you want them shortened, go to bed. ESPN will tell you the results. It's a 24-hour news service. They do not need to be shortened. Y'all figure out a reason to a problem that is doesn't exist for me. I love them. Yeah, I completely agree. It doesn't need to be short. And if you want it shortened, learn how to run the football more. That's how it gets to be shortened. Everybody's pass happy out there doing seven on seven with Grice's gyms. And uh, that's why they're so long. Hey, they're good. Gary, that's Gary, man. Gary got the nice setup on the weekends. He even got all that food cooked. You don't have the food cooked for a two and a half hour. If you want game shortened, go watch Big Ten football. And, get and one other thing football. is if, if we stop watching or if – they start promoting better defensive coordinators in college football. I promise you, I ain't trying to like two more horn, but I promise you, I can go coach about fifty percent and be a defense coordinator and coach way better than half of these coaches right oh, now. Oh my goodness! Oh my lord! I mean, all these, I all these celebrations after they score—that takes three, four minutes. Timeout break. Uh, TV timeout. Like, yes, <laughs> scores are fifty something to forty something. It's gonna be an extra hour. <laughs> you know. 
I got to agree with you guys. You know, I, I mentioned a minute ago that TV contracts often dictate the the payment. Well, TV's often dic or is also dictating this as well. You know, and and I'm with Grice. Leave my football on. I want to see it. You know, I don't care about TV wanting the games to fit into their window. Give me all the games, especially if I'm spending my money to drive halfway across the state to see it. You know, the same thing could be said about baseball. They want to add a pitching clock. You know, I don't want that. I want to be at the game. I want to enjoy the game, man. I want to enjoy my college football. Don't mess with it. He does not want shorter games. I'm telling you, Gary, Gary has that spread. Gary, I'm crashing your house. I'm fine, fine, and I'm crashing. Yeah, Dale, do you like four hour football games? Do I like four hour football games? Yeah, I would like to see removed what. They can't remove, which is all the timeouts, the commercial timeouts. I think there's right. too many of them. Right. I, I want to see a complete game. Kim, how, how long are the Charlotte games, Kim? Too daggum long. Too daggum long. <laughs> <laughs> you got Tiger Bowl and throwing wait, wait, all over that defense. Would it be better if the home team was winning? <laughs> oh, I mean, yo, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Tread lightly on All that. Right. Yeah, no, tread lightly. Will Healy's a friend of the show. Tread lightly. Friend of the show. Shout out with Healy. Shout out. Yeah, tread lightly. All right. Um, it's time to put the roster man in his uh, one shot. So we can. Uh, <laughs> right, so I, told, I told Sam he gets a 10. I start following around JC Penny and Belks if he gets a 10. <laughs> yeah. Grice, don't be laughing at that. Don't <laughs> it's a true joke, but it's also a good joke. Let me let me find. I got, I can't find your uh, your little thing. Oh, here it is. Here it is. All right, here we go. Sam's trying to talk. Well, I got I got a problem, and I'm not going to call anybody out. But I know no college coaches are necessarily watching this. But what is happening to defense in college? Like seriously, it's it's very frustrating. The one thing that bothers me is to see the perimeter play. Everybody is playing seven to 10 yards off the ball. There's no one setting the perimeter. And you can literally do routes on air. It's like routes on air for every offense. Any hitch, any slant, any out you want. The pre-snap decision is already made by the quarterback. There's no, you know, no confusion whatsoever. Everybody in the whole world is playing bad defense is doing this. Nobody's aggressive enough. I want to see some hard cover two a little bit. I want to see someone rolled up in three and hitting the uh, outside shoulder of the number two, uh, playing a little bit bump and run man coverage here and there. Take chances instead of dying these slow deaths out there where everybody's just chipping away. Like, <laughs> it's driving me insane. That's the only thing I can't watch. I enjoy college football, but it's very disturbing when I see people just be able to do anything they possibly want defensively or Is offensively it, to a defense. That, does it bother you when you watch the entire NFL football game the defense stops the offense until the final one minute when they go 90 yards and three plays to win the game? Does that bother you? No, that's, that's real football. No, that's me. No, but I'm saying how can I stop you the whole game and then the last minute I can't stop you because I'm playing previous defense. Don't yeah, and that's the thing. But everybody's to this bend but don't break defense, and that's when you break down. You're so worried about getting beat over the top or do something. If you're – You just let them go down the field 15 yards at a time. Man. Yeah, and, it's, and that, that's what people are doing first, second, and third quarter in college right now. It, it's driving me insane. Yeah. I mean, I oh, it drives me crazy, bro. <laughs> Cameron had a question for you, Sam. Go ahead, Cameron. Okay. Yes, yeah, Sam, uh, what you got for Mallet Creek this week? Ooh. Mallet Creek – is coming off a great win, and I respect Tinsley. He's one of the best coaches, I think, around. I think he 
established his culture. Um, we need this win back. We need to find out what we're at as a program right now. I've had enough time, I feel like, to try to put our, you know, my identity on this team. And uh, they got to come to the, the real ant farm <laughs> of uh, Waddell, baby. It's, it's like legit, you know, disturbing and hard to play on, which I think gives us an advantage because we played on it. But, you know, we plan on winning this game. I mean, you know, they're a really good football team, and we got to be able to beat a cultured team, a team that is like never had a – when's the last time they had a losing season? Like their first year ever? Yeah, I think so. That was it, right? We have to be able to beat a team like that, and I think that's going to be hard to do. But I expect us to make an opportunity to try to do that, Cameron. I, I can't give you the details of how we're going to do it. but Oh, that's sure, sure. Sam, yeah. is it tough? Is you it better, tough you better give me a game. League in the state? Is that tough? So what now? It's tough being the three A team and the toughest four A league in the state. We play the hardest schedule there is in three A. There is no doubt about it. Like, like you do the old numbers that they would do the rankings from last, you know, like two years ago instead of the new ranking ways, we would have been the number one seat in three A last year. And uh, now we drop all the way back to like eighth or ninth because it's about opponents winning percentage and opponents opponents winning percentage. It doesn't go by, you know, strength of schedule anymore. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dale. Yeah, I'm just going to tell Sam, you know, I'm coming Friday night. So, yeah. You, and you, you better make this a game. We need some good highlights on Carolina varsity. We got to get those good highlights. They give got me a game. Yeah, give me a game. This, this week is, we, we need some games this week. The schedule's not kind. The schedule's you're going to see a strong defensive performance from both sides. I can say that. All right, it's 937. Grace is starting to give me the Eva. <laughs> he started giving it to me. We did good. All right, we, had, we 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 got out of ninety in uh, ninety seven minutes. That's uh, Sam Crowder, football coach. I'm Life's and that's Chris, the number one voice high school football in North Carolina. Dale Ross, Cameron, the the guru in training to get the number two voice high school football. John DeGrice and Gaining, my frat brother Gary Richmond, and we are talking. Pips.